The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. The rest of us, Leviticus chapter 23 in our Bibles, please. The book of Leviticus chapter number 23. And as we are coming to the end of our series here in these next two Sundays, we're going to be looking at this seventh festival, seventh feast that are given to us here in Leviticus chapter number 23. Uh, Some have been... uh, uh, here, and you've caught, in, uh, caught some of the sessions together, and uh, we're, we're, we're thankful for a media ministry whereby these are being recorded. They'll be online as a series, also with a note, so maybe if there's one that you've missed that you'd like to go back and listen to, we're going to be providing those for you. Um, Leviticus chapter number 23, I'd like you to follow along as we just begin by reading from God's Word about the seventh feast, the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, as we have mentioned, the series is entitled God's Calendar, and all seven of these feasts highlight the life, ministry, purpose of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prophetically. So here we are in the Old Testament. We're in the book of Leviticus. We're also going to be in Exodus and Deuteronomy, even in Numbers, but in the Pentateuch, we have this Feast of the Tabernacle mentioned over and over and over again. All seven of these feasts give us that prophetic timeline of what God is wanting to do in future time. Now, for the nation of Israel, all seven feasts were future. For us today in the church age, We just are looking at three of them in our future, four of them in our past. Matter of fact, we'll throw up the slide here for the past, which are what we would call the spring feasts. We've gone from the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost. All of those represent the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Number one, he died for us as the Lamb of God. That's the Passover. The unleavened bread deals with... Not our salvation, but our sanctification. They left Egypt with unleavened bread. And the Bible gives us leaven as sin. And God's desiring for our walk, our new walk in Jesus Christ, uh, to rely here on His Spirit in leading us on our journey. When we walk in the Spirit, will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And with leaven being a picture of sin, we see that there's a new life for the child of God. Now, the first fruits offering, we're going to deal with heavy next Sunday. I know for a lot of us, some of it will be reviewed, but I tell you what, this truth, when it's opened up to us concerning the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is just life-changing. This first fruits offering the Bible says, took place on the day following the Sabbath after the Passover. So Jesus Christ died on the cross on the Passover. That next Sabbath is Saturday. 
The day after Saturday is Resurrection Sunday morning. And the first fruits is that wave offering in the temple of the first of the harvest. And our New Testament teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the first fruits offering. So Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is that bread of life that we're relying on, but his life was sinless. There was no sin in Jesus Christ. The first fruits is a picture of his resurrection. And Pentecost is the Lord Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God the Father, sending the Holy Spirit of God as we see the church now empowered and active through the summer season of harvest. As we go to the next slide for just a moment, we see the fall feast, and we have looked at the trumpet. By the way, there's two silver trumpets, according to Numbers chapter 10. There's two gatherings of people. The church will be gathered in the clouds, in the air, and then Israel will be gathered together as well. There's a trump for the church, and there's a trump for Israel. And we see that God's not done with Israel. God has a purpose and plan for that nation. So we see the trumpets focus on the rapture of the church and also the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ or his coming to this world after seven years of tribulation. Now, that's called in the Bible Jacob's trouble. God is bringing back a people to himself. Matter of fact, atonement or the uh, festival of atonement, feast of atonement, was all about a sorrowful response over sin. What's the great sin of the nation of Israel? They have rejected who? Their Messiah. And all oh, the sorrow of heart when they recognize as a people that the one who they pierced, he is God. He is the Messiah. And all oh, the heartache of the nation of Israel that the one true Messiah that already came, he already fulfilled uh, in the feast of Passover his death, his burial, and then his glorious resurrection with the first fruits. Now at the trumpets there's going to be uh, a rapture where he's meeting in the air and then returns seven years later. And the Bible says he's going to sit down on the Mount of Olives. And you can read about that, Matthew chapter 24, later on in Revelation. So that's the atonement. And now we're coming to the Feast of Tabernacles. Trumpets the first day of the fall. Uh, first day of their new year. Their calendar begins uh, there on the first day of the month, Tishri. Uh, the tenth day of the month is a, the, the, the Feast of Atonement. The 15th for seven days, all right, I, it should be, I don't know why it says 17th. I was having a, a really rough math day, all right? It's a seven-day, now that's all you're going to remember uh, of the message right there. Oh, pastor. All right, uh, it's uh, the 21st is the actual day, all right? From the 15th to the 21st, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, those seven days are the Feast of the Tabernacle. And we're going to read about that feast as they were called every year to close out uh, these seven feasts with what we're going to see here in Leviticus 23. Follow along verse 33. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, a drink offering, everything onto this day. In Numbers, God gives us the list specifically of all of these offerings. They number 199 different sacrifices through those seven days. And it gives us exactly the animal and it tells us exactly what day that animal was to be sacrificed. Well, the scripture goes on and tells us now, verse number 38, beside the Sabbaths of the Lord and beside your gifts and beside all your vows and beside all your freewill offerings, which you give unto the Lord. By the way, God's still in the business of encouraging us with freewill offerings. He, he loves us to give cheerfully, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. The scripture says in verse 39, and in the 15th day, of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast uh, unto the Lord seven days, and on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of thick trees, willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days." And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. And all that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. Father, help us this morning as we look at this feast of the tabernacle. I pray that we would understand prophetically, God, your timetable, your calendar. Just as you have declared that Jesus would come as the Lamb, the Passover. That he would be without sin, that unleavened bread. That he would rise from the dead, that wave offering. That he would send his comforter, his Holy Spirit, to empower the church. Oh God, as we see that has happened in the past, would we look forward in anticipation to what will happen in the future? Help us this morning to be mindful of what you're desiring to teach us in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Last Sunday together, or last two Sundays, we've looked at just the fall feasts, and I've just reviewed them for you. Uh, we saw that the uh, Feast of Trumpets was simply a call. 
The trumpets are listed to us there in the uh, book of Numbers, chapter number uh, 10, and we have the three uh, calls of God's people by way of trumpet uh, when there was uh, an announcement to be made, when there was an alarm about an impending danger, uh, they were to assemble together at the call of the trumpet. Oh, can you see the gathering together in these last days? God's going to gather the church. God's going to gather the Jewish people back to Jerusalem, to God's land. And God is going to gather together the nations for that final battle, the battle of Armageddon. Folks, God's trumpet is ready to sound. Are we ready for the trumpet to sound? Do we have an awareness here of this time? Uh, the harvest came to an end at the Feast of the Trumpets. Uh, the Hebrew children are being called. I have a slide on the blindness of Israel we went over this a couple weeks ago, but sometimes we wonder, why when I witness to my Jewish friends, why does it seem like they have blinders on? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 11 that God has put those blinders on their eyes. Now, thank the Lord, they're not everyone. Would you go to uh, Romans 11 with me just a moment so that you can see this text? This is a glorious text about what God is going to do in the future, with his chosen people. God is not finished with Israel. Don't believe the, the lie of replacement theology. Don't believe the lie here that God now is allowing all the Abrahamic covenants and the Davidic covenants to be transferred to the church. It's not true. God has a plan for the church, and God has a plan prophetically for Israel. And we don't take promises that God made for Israel and move them over to the church just because we want to. Uh, we're going to replace here the blessings that God used to give to Israel. Now he's giving to the church. I'm sorry, God's not done. He has a plan. We just need to wait on the Lord for his work. But would you note there in Romans chapter number 11, several verses, I don't have them typed out, but uh, the, the Bible tells us in chapter number 11, verse 1, I say, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. He's referring to his people Israel. If you go back to chapter 10, verse 1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they would be, help me, saved. Paul was, yes, the apostle of Gentiles, but he had a heart for Israel. His heart's desire is that Israel would get saved. And now in this next chapter, 11, verse 1, he's making it very clear. Guess what? God is not done. Look at verse 2. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Notice verse number 5, please. Even so, then at this present time also there is a uh, a remnant according to the election of grace. Look at verse 7 and 8. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. There are some that have come gloriously to the Lord Jesus Christ, but there are some that are yet blinded. Verse 8. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. 
eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear until this day. So as you're witnessing to your Jewish friends, don't get frustrated. Just lovingly share with them that, listen, the Messiah that died for me and was buried for me and rose for me is your Messiah as well. And I want to just share with you about the Jesus, that Jewish son of a carpenter that came to this world for one purpose, to be the lamb, to be the Passover, so that our sins could be forgiven. And all the Jewish nation desires so much to know that their sins can be forgiven. A Jewish individual today reading through the Pentateuch are going to go, listen, the Bible says, Leviticus 17, verse 11, without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission. There's no forgiveness of sin. Where's the blood sacrifice today? Is there no covering for our sin? What does a Jewish person do today about their sin? Folks, we can direct them to the Lamb of God that's already come to take away the sin of the world. His blood's been shed. He died. He was buried. He gloriously rose again. And all of this, the Bible says right now, there is a blindness, a partial blindness. The Bible tells us that there's a slumbering on their part. Look at verse number 25, and this is where it gets wonderful because as this trumpet sounds, we're going to see God working in the nation of Israel in a powerful way. Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. You say, what's the fullness of the Gentiles? It's a church age. When does the church age end? At the rapture, at the trumpet. What's going to happen at the trumpet? God's going to remove the scales from their eyes. They're going to be able to see. The church is going to be, yes, in meeting with the Lord in the clouds and then being with Him for that seven years. But, oh, the Scripture goes on and tells us that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel, verse 26, shall be what? Say it with me. Saved. Whoa, God has a plan and purpose for Israel. God is not finished with Israel. God's desire is that, yes, Israel would know that the Messiah that they've been looking for has already come. His name is Jesus. And oh, that the world would recognize here uh, the reality of this. Now, how's God going to reach the Jewish people? I just threw this up there as I'm reading through the Revelation. Number one, there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists. That's number one. Number two... There are these two individuals that are mentioned in Revelation 11, verse 3 and 4. Go there with me for just a moment. Revelation chapter 11. Now there's three separate titles that are given here to these individuals, all right? But here in Revelation... Chapter number 11, let's see if you can read between the lines, all right? I'm going to have you read between the lines. The Bible tells us, first of all, verse 2, but the court, and now this is dealing here with this three-and-a-half-year period with inside the tribulation. The Scripture tells us, but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and that holy city shall they 
tread underfoot 42 months. That's three and a half years. And I give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. If you do that math, it's three and a half years. Okay? In sackcloth, clothed in sackcloth, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. So they're called witnesses, the two witnesses, the two olive trees, the two candlesticks. Verse 5, and if any man will hurt them, they're going to be standing, by the way, in Jerusalem for three and a half years, and they're going to be instructing, teaching all those that are willing to listen. And I believe part of the instruction is going to be the message series that we've done. They're going to be instructing. By the way, I don't want to give it away. All right, let's go to the text. Notice, read between the lines. Uh, first of all, they'll have the power to have uh, fire proceed out of their mouth and devour their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Boy, you think about the power of these individuals. You say, Pastor, is this literal? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at verse number 6. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. All right, there's clue number one. Shut heaven so it doesn't rain. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. There's clue number two. All right, this is Bible Jeopardy. Okay, help me. All right, so who can shut up heaven? Who was that in the Old Testament? Elijah prayed and it didn't rain. How long didn't it rain? Oh yeah, three and a half years. Who is Moses? Well, Moses is the one that came and he spoke in Egypt and those plagues came. Let me ask you, who are those two visitors that visited Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Oh, it was Elijah and Moses. What were they preparing him for the cross? What do we know about the deaths of Elijah and Moses? Well, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. Moses went up in the mountain, never came down. Elijah got caught up in a whirlwind. Revelation. Wow. It's exciting. What's going to happen? Well, for three and a half years, they are going to teach and prophesy. Can you imagine the, 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 the instrument that God used to give the law to explain the law to Jewish people like no one could explain it. Can you imagine Moses, the lawgiver, explaining the law and showing that all through the law, this is Jesus, this is Jesus, this is Jesus, this is Jesus. And they're going to be dumbfounded and they're going to go, whoa, how did we miss this? And, he's, uh, and then you have the, the prophets, Elijah, right? And, uh, and representing the prophets. And I can just imagine uh, uh, taking the book of Isaiah and going to chapter number 53 and saying, this is Jesus. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Oh, what that must be like to be in the presence of these two uh, great men during those three and a half years. You better believe that all Israel comes to Christ. Listen, and those that don't are going to be dealt with severely. They will die. 
When it's all said and done, the only ones left standing are those that have received this Jesus as their Messiah. And so, folks, when we talk about the tabernacle, what we're talking about is we're talking about that very end of the age. We are talking about in the Feast of the Tabernacles, God's working in those last moments of what we know as our earthly existence. That God is going to tabernacle among men. All right? And we're going to see that the tabernacle is all about this ultimate millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Let's go. All right? I want us to see some uh, passages here. Let me give the historical context, and these guys will just stay with me. Um, you know, before I get that, I do want to go to Zechariah 14, 16. I have the verse on the screen. And I want you to understand why the importance of the tabernacles. Why is that important for me today? How is it relevant for me today? Well, this passage in Zechariah 14 is actually a passage uh, concerning this millennial kingdom of Christ. Now, how many are planning to be in the millennium? Let me see your hands, all right? Anybody at all? I am. <laughs> if you're saved, you ought to want to raise your hand, both hands. A leg, all right, whatever. Uh, why? Uh, because in that millennial reign, Jesus is coming with his saints to rule and to reign. Listen, if you're not in the millennial kingdom, there's only one other place to be. And it's not a good place, okay? So this millennial reign of Christ is uh, begun after that seven-year tribulation, after that final battle. Jesus comes to fulfill that prophecy where Jesus will sit as king in Jerusalem over the world. Can I tell you something? Israel was looking for that king, that glorified king. All through the Old Testament prophecies, that's what they were looking at. There's a king that's coming. That's our Messiah. We're looking for the king. We're looking for the Messiah. And all through the Old Testament and then that New Testament age, they're looking past Calvary. They didn't see Calvary. They didn't see that he didn't come uh, to be king the first time. He came to be savior. He came to be the lamb. But when he comes again, he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. Oh, what a day that's going to be. And we're going to come with him on white horses. Woo! <laughs> Y'all say, I've always wanted a white horse. Well, get ready. And the Bible says that he's coming back to the earth. He's going to defeat the armies of the world that are gathered together. And he's going to establish that millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in the millennial kingdom, would you look at this verse? And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of what? Tabernacles. See, Pastor, what's tabernacles? It's all about joy. It's all about rejoicing. It's the end of the harvest, technically, for the nation of Israel. All the crops are in. The corn is in. The wine is in. Every of the grapes are in. Everything is in. It's comparable to our Thanksgiving time, where there's just great celebration and great joy. Does that describe the millennial kingdom to you? sure does to me. 
Oh, there's a time here where God's people are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ as king. You're frustrated with your party, your political party. Guess what? There's only one party, and it's Jesus. And, 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 and he's ruling, and he's reigning. I don't have to pick and choose anymore. Oh, who do I vote for here and there? He has set up rule and reign. And it is a tremendous time of joy. And so this Feast of the Tabernacles, which is the Feast of the Jewish joy, is going to be really what we're going to be experiencing uh, through that millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see some verses that deal with that in just a bit. The historical context is Exodus chapter 12. The word... Sukkot, which is the Hebrew word for tabernacle, comes from Sekoth, which is the very first evening coming out of Exodus 12. If you read there in Exodus 12, as they left the land of Egypt, their first night was a stay there in Sukkoth. And that word allows us to see it literally means booths where they had to, in a hasty way, just make some makeshift kind of a living quarters that first night out of Egypt. And that picture that, I don't want to even call it a glorified shed. I, I, I don't know what word to describe here this morning, but that, that uh, booth that they were established was what God desired for them on a yearly basis to build in Jerusalem. So you could just imagine all over Jerusalem these booths, and there's people that are in those booths for these seven days through these seven wonderful days of glorious joy and jubilation at the reality that comes to us here at this Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, let me give you the fulfillment of this Feast of the Tabernacles, just like all the other feasts. It's Jesus, all right? Would you look at this with me, this next slide? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Question this morning is, how does Jesus fulfill the Feast of the Tabernacles? As the Son of Man, He came to dwell with men. Let's go to John 1.14. I have it on the screen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt, that word is tabernacled, among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I could not reach God because my sin separated me from God, so God reached down to me. I was undone. I was a sinner. There was nothing that I could reach and touch a thrice holy God. And God knew that. And God came down to this world, the tabernacle, with men. And not only did He come 2,000 years ago, but He's coming again. And it won't be for just 33 years. It'll be in a 1,000-year millennial reign that Jesus Himself will be here. Vine's Expository Dictionary uh, helps us here understanding that that word dwell from John 1, 14 is to pitch a tent, to tabernacle. That's what Jesus did. He pitched a tent with us. He tabernacled with us. He came to live with us. 
Son of God, yes, but also Son of Man. Oh, the wondrous story of God's love for you and for me as God desired to tabernacle with us. Exodus 23, 16. Here the Bible says, And the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering. That's another name for this uh, feast of the harvest. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I did that. I, I need to skip all the way to Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Oh, don't you wait for that day. Oh, child of God, we get the seven year, we get the, we get the, the, the prelude. <laughs> the church of God gets seven years in the presence of our Savior while Jacob is going through their trouble. Why does God send trouble? He's drawing them to himself. He's desiring for Israel to see that your only salvation is not in your military might and not in your leadership and not in your president and your generals. Your only hope is the Messiah, Jesus. And oh, the gathering that's going to take place there. To what end? To this millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, I will be teaching on the millennial reign tonight, right from the book of Revelation. If you'd like to get more of the details of that, that'll be at our 5 o'clock hour. We won't be able to cover all of that uh, this morning. But do you see it? Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the fulfillment of the tabernacle. He tabernacled here. He dwelt among men. But he's coming back, not as a lowly carpenter, but he's coming back as king of kings, uh, as lord of lords, to tabernacle and all oh, the blessing of Jesus. Listen, there's sometimes folks look at Bible Christianity and they, they look outside of the person of Jesus for fulfillment. They, they, they look at eternal life as something, a commodity out here, or Peace, I need peace. It's a commodity, out, commodity somehow. Or love. I want you to see something here. The Bible teaches clearly that Jesus doesn't give life. Jesus is life. There's a, there's a tremendous difference between the two. Jesus is not just offering something separate from himself. He is offering himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There at the tomb of Lazarus, what do you say? I am the resurrection, John 11, and life. Folks, eternal life outside of Jesus. You say, I want one. I just don't want Jesus. You can't have it. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. He's everything. If I have Jesus, I have eternal life. If I don't have Jesus, I have nothing. Oh, and the Scripture declares to us here that Jesus is not desiring just to give a life. Jesus is life. Jesus didn't come to give peace. My friend, this morning, He is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. You say, I, I, I'm living a life of turmoil. It's because you've just shut Jesus out of your life. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is our peace. All that the world is clamoring for today is in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, we need to present it. They need to receive it. Oh, there's an emptiness in the heart of so many today. 
They're searching aimlessly. They're reaching for this and reaching for that to try to fill a void in their life. Can I tell you what? It'll never be filled until you honestly come to Jesus Christ and realize that I just need Him. If I have Him, I have His life. If I have Him, I have His peace. If I have Jesus, it's not just that I uh, uh, am given love by Jesus, but Jesus, God, the Bible says, is love. I'm just trying to express to you that when Jesus came to tabernacle among men, He came to offer Himself. He came to give Himself. And oh, there are some that received Him. John 1, it says, He came to His own, but His own received Him not. Verse 12 says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. My friend, you may be here, and you've got Bible studies up to your eyebrows, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. You may have baptismal certificates left and right, confirmation. You, you may have been baptized in every baptistry in the city. But if you don't have Jesus Christ, you have nothing. Jesus is not offering you something separate from himself. He's offering you himself. He's life. He's peace. He's love. He's joy. Oh, that we would see it today. And, and for each and every one of us that are children of God, that we would rejoice in it. The blessing of being His child. Number one. Wow. <laughs> I'm so glad I forgot to bring my... No. I'm not even sure we can get into it. That was the longest introduction I've ever preached. I'm a little wound up. I tell you what, we'll put it on the back burner. I do want you to see that the tabernacles, for the most part, and I'll end with this story, is about the joy that we have to tabernacle in the presence of our God. In His fullness, in His presence is what? Fullness of? In his presence is fullness of joy. Listen, your eternity, if you're a child of God, is marked for joy. It's marked for rejoicing. It is marked here for, I mean, time of praise and hallelujah and, and, and glory to God. If you could go to Israel during this celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, and I've never been. They have parades in the street. There's old rabbis that said, you don't know joy until you've been with God's people celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles in the city of Jerusalem. I could only imagine it. I could only picture it. Oh, the, the, the joy. And God says that is the environment of our eternity. 
Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a help to you, please feel free to share it on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.